Morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. Nice to see you all. And uh, great to have this opportunity to share on these verses. Um, I don't know if it's one of the things that you enjoy in the New Testament, but um, most of the writers of the New Testament, in fact, all of them, there are these moments where they kind of uh, rattle off a a little list or sometimes a bit of a longer list of encouragements um, and exhortations that are meant to energize us and focus us and take us forward in the purposes of God. And here we have that from Peter um, in this passage today. And uh, I hope you don't mind this title. Um, I was thinking it could sound a little bit arrogant, as if, you know, we're saying, oh, don't worry about anything, you know, because you're a Christian, it's not going to be everything's sorted, everything's fine, nothing to be concerned about. It's not supposed to be an arrogant statement. It's actually meant to be what Peter is saying. Do you know what? Take heart. Be encouraged when you think ahead. You know, look up. Um, get that new perspective because God has got a perspective for us in a world like we're living in and it's not one where actually just keep your head down, hope for the best, just get through, do what you can and we'll see what happens and hopefully it'll all be all right in the end. That is not the message that Peter has. His message is actually look up, you know, there is a future with Jesus and there is still something that he's doing even in dark days, even in end time days. And I was reflecting that this little phrase at the beginning of this passage, the end of all things is near. Um, You know, that little phrase sometimes is used in all kinds of ways, isn't it? Kind of the traditional picture of someone with that sandwich board on, you know, kind of walking around declaring doom and gloom about the future. But actually, during this time, I don't know if you found, but I found a lot more people are kind of asking the question, what is going on in the world? Is this the end? Um, Particularly if you remember back to the beginning of COVID, when it was all such a shock and everyone was being asked to stay at home and uh, people were wondering what on earth is going on. And then with wars in Ukraine and what's happening just all around the world, people could feel like is something happening in the world that even if I'm not got any faith, I can kind of see that something almost apocalyptic is happening. Is it the end of everything? People have been asking that question. But for Peter and actually for the apostles, it's not an unusual thing to be talking about. It's not an unusual perspective. Let me just give you two other verses. James 5, 7 to 9. So James says this. Be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Similar sentiments, similar ideas. That's James speaking. What about John? 1 John 2 verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. Their perspective was very clear. Jesus has gone back to the Father. The Spirit has been poured out on the church. We are in these last days. We are looking for the next day. It's not that it's all going to be over and it's all obliterated and there's no future and no hope. For them, this is something worth anticipating. Because yes, something is going to end this age, but there is a new age that is to come. 
And you know, don't you, that as followers of Jesus, many of you know that that is our job, to bring in the good things from this new age where Jesus uh, is going to be back fully with his people, to bring that in now, to let the light shine into the darkness. And so Peter is bringing this perspective to the people that he's writing his letter to, and probably you've heard again and again as we've gone through this series that these are people who have been scattered, who are suffering, struggling as followers of Jesus, and Peter is writing to them. And you know, as we go through today, I was thinking um, again, again and again, I've been reflecting as we've gone through 1 Peter, reminding myself that this is actually the Peter of the Gospels who is writing. Uh, you know, that, that is, and that um, perspective I found really helpful because um, for those of you that aren't aware, Peter from the Gospels, he really is known as somebody who at one moment is just getting it spot on and in the next moment is really missing the mark. One moment thinking he really understands himself and putting himself forward and the next moment realising he doesn't reach his own high standards. And all that kind of um, up and down of Peter, here he is writing something to encourage other people. And uh, I'd like us to reflect a little bit about maybe just to speculate what might be in Peter's mind now and again as he's writing some of this advice today. So this phrase, the end of all things is near, or as um, John put it, the last hour, or as James put it, the Lord's coming is near, whichever phrase we look, for these people, this was actually an encouragement. Because as many people are discovering more in these days, or our generation anyway, that the world we're living in is not always that great. In fact, there's a lot of evil, and there's a lot that's wrong, and a lot of injustice that can't seem to get shifted, and there's a lot of darkness and difficulty. Obviously, there are good things, but there's a lot more that is going on that troubles us. What is going on? And for those people who are suffering for their faith around the world today, brothers and sisters who follow Jesus in prison around the world today, do you know what? To hear, you know, Jesus is coming. It's not going to last forever. This is a huge encouragement because they have their eyes on the future. And they have their eyes on a future with Jesus where this whole world is going to be put right. And they know that this isn't the end, what we see around us isn't the final word on this world. So there's a positive side to this declaration that the apostles seem so determined to keep making again and again. So I'm just going to pick out for us three things that were on my mind today that I wanted to share from this passage um, as challenges and encouragements, okay? So we get a bit of both in each one. So the first one I wanted to um, think about is this challenge to look up, to see, to understand and to work with God. Now, Peter puts it in this context, I think, of not sleeping. If you read there in verse, that first verse, verse 7, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So be alert, be awake, be engaged, be, have a sober mind, have a, a sane mind, some people translate it. Um, have a clear mind so that you can pray. 
And there's this incredible challenge from Peter to actually be awake, to not be fearful, to opt in, to engage. You see, Peter is saying the end of all things is near. So don't just hide away and lock the door and stock up, stockpile all your groceries or whatever till the end times. No, he's saying actually there's something for you to do. And there is still a way that you can affect what's going on around you, but it's going to require you to wake up, to listen, to understand what I'm saying to you, and to engage in prayer, because you're going to make a difference. There's still work to be done. It's not hopeless. And I think sometimes when we face these times which seem very heavy, very pressured, very difficult, that what can happen is we actually just want to go to sleep. It's a kind of depression almost can get on you. You just kind of want to opt out as much as possible. And you know, there's a kind of spiritual dynamic that can happen like that in people. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've seen it overseas quite often, and now and again I've seen it here. But sometimes where someone has got a lot of darkness on the inside of them, um, for lots of reasons, when you start to talk about Jesus, there's almost a glazing comes over. And I've been in church meetings where people have just literally fallen asleep. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen to any of you that fall asleep this morning. Um, No problem if you have a quick snore, a quick, um, a few... A bit of sleep this morning. I won't judge you. Um, But what I'm saying is that something shuts down. We sleep because we can feel the pressure. We can feel almost the spiritual battle and we want to go to sleep. We want to shut down. It doesn't that happen quite often when you try to pray? (laughs) You know, that actually all of a sudden the overwhelming desire to sleep or to just kind of opt out by TV and just to shut down happens. And it's because we are actually, we may not realize it, but we're picking up the darkness, we're picking up the pressure that's around. But, and so what we're doing is we're just kind of collapsing a bit underneath it. But Peter's saying, no, no, wake up. And I was thinking about, did Peter, did he have in mind what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane? Shall I just remind us? I'll read it from Mark 14, verse 32. They came to a place named Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here until I've prayed. And he took with him Peter, James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began praying that if it was possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying so you will not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say in reply to him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? This is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let's go. Behold, the one who is betraying me is near. I wonder if Peter had that in his mind. What was important to say to people when you're under pressure? When you're finding things difficult, what was Peter going to prioritize? I mean, there's a million bits of wisdom and advice he could have drawn on, he could have shared. Why say this about being awake and alert in prayer? Why is that so in his mind? Why about being sober-minded, about thinking clearly? It's because he knows. He knows what it is to fall asleep at the key moment. 
at the key hour to miss something, to miss the moment. He's been there with Jesus and he's realized, I'm sure, as he's reflected on all that's happened, oh, that's what was going on in that moment. That's what was happening. As we all do, we think about our lives. We think about the things that went well and the things that didn't go well. I hope we're asking God to help us understand what's happened there. And so the Lord, I'm sure, has explained with Peter and shown him, do you know what, Peter, that was such a key moment in history. So not just for Jesus, not just personally, in the bigger picture, it was a key moment. And Peter was invited to be awake to be engaged, to listen, to understand, to get hold of truth in that moment, to live by and to see it come about, to see the purposes of God fulfilled. And he was asleep. So there's an encouragement from Peter here to wake up, to stay awake, to pray, to don't turn off, but to be alert. And maybe some of us this morning need a little reminder that prayer is not just a a tick list in our week. Oh, I've done my bit today. Oh, I feel guilty. I haven't done my bit. Prayer is an invitation from God to see things, to see things the way he sees it, to understand things. He wants to explain things to you and then to actually pray, to talk to him about it in such a way that you can see something happen. You can be part of these key moments in our world. Prayer is not a second-class Christian activity. It is at the top. It is the first thing. And it is an invitation to see and to understand. So often we could talk here a lot about the battleground of our minds. Sometimes we can't understand what God's saying to us because our mind is full. Our mind is cluttered or our mind is full of the world's wisdom so that we can't understand the heavenly things he's saying to us. So maybe the Lord's saying to some of us, I just want to clear through your mind because I want to explain some things to you. I want you to understand so that your prayers are going to have an accuracy and a power to intervene in the days that we're living in. What an incredible encouragement and challenge from Peter. Second thing I want to say that Peter is in in challenging us to in these last days is to express radical love and not complain. Now, that's a good bit of advice probably at any time. But when you're under pressure, when you're feeling it, the heaviness, the darkness, the pressure, you know that one of the things that goes right out of the window is a generosity and a love that flows from our lives. Often it's like all of a sudden we're under pressure and we feel like the tide goes out on our emotional resources. We feel dry and empty. And so what people get from us is what we've got left. And sometimes all we've got left is a few sharp words and not a lot of generosity and not a lot of grace. And Peter is saying, do you know what? There is the opportunity in days that are dark and difficult to find a different source for our love flowing even more powerfully than at easy times. That actually there is a possibility to express a generous, radical love that is absolutely powerful and breakthrough in moments that are under huge pressure. And he mentions a few specific things which touch on our attitude and the closeness that can happen when we come under pressure. And the first one I want to mention is there in verse 8, which says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. That word for multitude, a great number 
of sins. Love covers it over. I wonder if you've ever meditated on what on earth that can mean. (laughs) Does it mean all of a sudden we're saying to people, oh, your behavior, your attitudes, your actions don't matter? We're just going to love everybody. We're just going to be nice to everyone and just pretend it's not happened, pretend it's not there. No, we're talking about something much more powerful than that. We're talking about like a covering coming over people so that they can receive forgiveness, so that they can be made right, so that there is the possibility of change, that we're not leaving people in their rebellion and brokenness and mistakes exposed to be picked off by the enemy. We're actually putting a cover over their lives in faith that there can be change, that things can be different. You know, I don't know if you've ever walked along the Thames when the tide is out. Um, I used to do that a little bit one place when I used to live in Woolwich. Um, and I walked down by the Thames. And when the tide was out, it's incredible what starts to come out, what you start to see is down there. Um, I, I'm sure it's all much cleaner now than in those days. But anyway, there used to be tyres and bits of old bike and, you know, the old shopping trolley. How they all get in there, I have no idea. But, you know, the, when the water goes back, you kind of see it all for what it is. And sometimes when we're under pressure, we start to readjust our lives like that. All we can see is the rubbish. The rubbish in us, but we don't talk about that, but we can certainly see the rubbish in other people. We see everyone without the grace of God, without the love of God, without the forgiveness of God, without the mercy of God. And here Peter say, no, no, don't, let, don't be like the world in that way. You have a source of extravagant love that can flood into your life and cause you to express your love and it will cover over the people so that the love of God can heal and restore and people can get forgiven and made well. There is a safe place, a protective place where love can cover those things so that they can be resolved. Not so we just say it doesn't matter, but in faith that it can be resolved. And he's saying here, Peter's saying, love each other deeply. And for me, it's like, look at that source deep inside yourself, where your love for people comes from. It should be rooted in Jesus. It should be rooted in his love for us, which is extravagant and overwhelming and full of grace. Make sure your love for your life, the way you treat others, is rooted in that place. And let let the tide rise again, Peter's saying. Let it rise from that deep place. Don't just live superficially, saying, oh, nice, nice to people, but in your heart being irritated, annoyed, frustrated with people. Don't live like that, Peter's saying. Let it rise from a deep place and let your love cover a multitude of sins in others in faith that they will be healed and restored, that we're not just leaving people out there in their um, brokenness and we're not being left out there by people. Oh, we'll welcome you back in when you've sorted out that area of your life. No, let love cover it. Come near to it. Come close to those people, those situations. Let love come near to us where we need other people's love to cover our sins. Let there be such an overwhelming generosity of love flowing And I wonder if it slightly touches in to that last verse there, verse 11, where it says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. (laughs) My goodness. Does Peter really mean that? (laughs) I mean, is that really possible? You might ask the question. What that whenever I speak, what in private as well as in public, 
You know, when I get a microphone, as when I've, well, I've not got a microphone and I'm on the telephone to my friend, let my words be spoken as if they're the words of God. I mean, really? And Peter is saying there is a source of extravagant love where you can know God from a deep place that actually what flows out of your life can be the words of God. If we're allowing him to change our understanding, to fill our minds, to fill our hearts, what starts to flow out of our words are the very words of God. And if they're not, we start to recognize it. Because people are loving us. And when we're loved, we're in the light. And in the light, we start to reflect on our day and think, well, actually, that wasn't, I shouldn't have spoken that way. And we ask for forgiveness. That's what it's about. There's something happening amongst us. Let's not give up on love. You know, Peter says here, you know, without complaining or grumbling, offer hospitality to one another. So let your speech be full of the love and the grace of God. You know, that word for grumbling is also murmuring or muttering. You know, we might think, oh, I don't really complain. Oh, but I might murmur a little bit. You know, do you have a friend that it's okay to murmur with? Probably we do. People, situations, we have a little murmur on social media. Oh, I'd just be irritated, just put it out there. You know, get it out of my system. We are called to bring it to God. Do you know how deeply committed to you he is? Do you know how deeply committed to his people he is, to this world that he is? Do you know how much he expects and is inviting us to cooperate with him in the world? Do you see that there's such a higher place he's calling us to, but also it starts from a deep place? where we're washed, where our words have power, where we realise that our words can actually speak the very words of God. So don't complain, Peter says. Don't use your mouth for that purpose. Let it be washed, let it be cleansed, because your words can have power in people's lives. So in end times, our prayer life can have power. In difficult times, our love expressed can have power and it's worth it because it will communicate the love and the radical love of God. And we won't read it just for time, but I wondered whether, um, whether Peter was reflecting there on those words in John 21. Uh, I, he may have been thinking about that experience. He may not. But, you know, do you ever think for Peter, you know, when the Lord asked him to say three times, do you love me more than these? You know, repeat it again and again. Because sometimes when our words have been used to complain and our words have been used in the wrong way and our words have not have fallen short of really the love of God and the truth of God and the life of God, sometimes the Lord takes us through exercises where our words have to be spoken out again and again. The Lord's saying, do you mean that? Is that right? Is that what you really want to say? Is that who you really are? And we have to face who we are in our words Because he's calling us to love. He's calling Peter to love the sheep. To love people. Let that motivation flow. Let words not just be superficial. uh, Dealing with all the things that bother us. And what we see with our eyes. Let it come from a deeper place. I wonder if Peter had that in his mind. Thirdly, the last thing I wanted to mention. Peter's encouraging us um, to have purpose. And don't be paralysed. You know, there is something about difficult times that can be like a paralysis, um, that you kind of come out of it and you think, oh my goodness, like I feel like I've, I've come out of uh, 
been lying flat down, where even if I've been out and doing things, for many people, COVID was like that, wasn't it? All of a sudden you kind of wake up, oh, what's happened to the last two years? Uh, There's a paralysis that can happen when the Lord is wanting to bring us into a stronger sense of purpose. So if you look at um, that verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then in verse 11, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. And we have this incredible this declaration from Peter that everyone has a gift. (laughs) Everyone, every single person has a gift. And I don't think we have to read that, that each of us has one gift. We may have many gifts, but everyone has a gift given by God that we are called to steward. And that we know, don't we, in the New Testament, there are a number of passages which list the type of gift it might be. The type of gift that when it's operating in a community of people, it enables that community to express more of who Jesus is and to experience more of who he is, more of his grace, more of his love. And Peter says, "Put, employ it. Employ that gift. Do something with it. Because often, as can happen, when we're under pressure, what we do is we step back from actively doing anything. We step back to the basics. We shut the door. We just kind of hunker down and we get going. We don't really want to make ourselves vulnerable because we already feel a bit exposed, a bit vulnerable from the world around us. So we don't step out. I was in a lovely prayer meeting um, a few months ago and we were just praying for a particular area where one of our congregations is. And the group of people who were there, we were sharing um, just about what we felt God was saying and, and praying And it was a very lovely time. And all of a sudden, one very mature Christian, they just said at one point, they said, do you know what? I just feel I need to confess that I know God has given me a gift of prophecy and I've just not been using it. I've just realized as we've been here talking that I've just not been using it. And I really feel that God's saying to me, you need to use that gift again. And we really just prayed for her that she would start to, and she has started to use that gift more. And, you know, it's so easy All of a sudden, we look back and we think, oh, I did actually have that gift. And I seem to have put it down along the way. I seem to have let it go because I've stopped using it. We all know what happens to our muscles if we stop using them. (laughs) Um, We all know what happens. They start to uh, lose their strength. But there is muscle memory, I am told. So if you start using them again, that actually your muscles do remember and they can go back, get back to that place quicker. And the challenge Peter is saying is, use your gifts. Put them into practice. And I want to say this morning, if you don't know that God wants to give you gifts, then talk to someone. Ask for prayer. Ask to receive gifts this morning from God. If you know you've received gifts, talk to the Lord about them. Are you using them? Are you putting them into practice? Because what we discover is this beautiful picture that actually, as we use our gifts together, the the grace of God in its various forms starts to be seen. The various forms, the variety, the manifold grace of God starts to be seen. You know, when we get into dark times, sometimes we see everything as black and white. And some of us were kind of wired that way anyway. But you know what? There is beauty in God. 
He is full of variety and beauty, and he loves it. He loves beauty in his people. He loves variety. He doesn't want us all to be one type. He loves to give various gifts to different people. He loves the beauty of it. His people should be a beautiful people in every way, from our natural differences to our spiritual gifts, that there is a variety and a beauty. And you know what? The Lord wants us, even in end time days, to enjoy something that is beautiful. To not just be, become rigid and black and white, but to appreciate beauty and difference. And it's, very, it's a very rare person that can't appreciate that in creation. Even sometimes a photograph of seeing the beauty and the variety in a photograph of creation is it will touch your heart, even if you've never been there. And when you see it with your own eyes, it's a very hard person that is not moved by it. Because there is, it reflects something of the heart of God. And you know he's called his people to be a beautiful people. And it will give God joy and it gives us joy. That there is joy in end time days in God's people. There should be. If we are using the gifts God's given. If we're appreciating the manifold grace of God. The wonderful richness and beauty of who our God is. And I can't help, just as I finish, just thinking about how the Lord did say to Peter, you can read it in Luke 22, even before he betrayed Jesus, even before he denied him, sorry, when he denied him, even before then, the Lord said to him, Simon, Simon, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. (laughs) And then the next But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny three times you know me. This is Peter. This is the one who has made mistakes, who has really blown it. But he has taken hold of this commission from God to when you turn back, strengthen the brothers. Put your gifts into practice. Some of us, we might think we've made some big mistakes or we've blown it, or we've got embarrassed stepping out in our gifts, or things didn't go the way we'd hoped. And so we don't really step out again. Let's take encouragement from Peter, who says, do you know what? God's given you a gift. You can step out again. Look what I did, Peter's saying. Look how I have responded to that calling. Let's not be robbed of the beauty. Let's, by the mistakes that we've even made, or the embarrassments, or the difficulties that have happened in our past, let's hear from Peter today. Put it into practice. Let's go for the beauty Let's go for more of the beautiful creativity, life of God amongst us. And I've even been feeling it this morning, even in the testimonies, sharing our lives together. It's really beautiful. And you feel strengthened and encouraged. I'm just going to read these words as I finish. And I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond. And these are words um, that actually Graham Kendrick wrote. And they're just two verses in one of his old recordings, but they keep going through my head um, as we was preparing today. And um, actually, they've been going through our minds as we've been preparing for one of the celebrations at Revive as well. So let me just read um, this through. Be patient, be ready. Look up, the Lord is near. Be faithful, be fruitful until the day that he appears. Though all things are shaken and hearts are filled with fear, keep working, keep praying until his kingdom is here. 
deep in our hearts there's a cry. As the spirit and bride say, come Jesus, come. Take your white horse and ride through the heavens. Come. Lord, we just want to take hold of these words. Uh, Lord, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, who need to just respond to you today. And I know I do too. To just, Lord, I say, yes, Lord, I need to look up. In the days that we're in, Lord, we don't want to come under the dark cloud, but we want to look up. The Lord is near. He's returning. And he's commissioning us to be active and alive and fruitful in these days and full of his spirit, Lord, and full of his love. And Lord, thank you that you're still painting on that canvas of this world in these days. Thank you that your beauty is still to be seen. And Lord, we just want to thank you that we are part of that beautiful work. And Lord, may your spirit just flood through any of us, Lord, that have felt we in any way have been trapped in our words, in a negative place. Lord, that we have been, uh, our minds have been oppressed and heavy. Lord, oh, we have felt in any way, Lord, that we've been paralysed by what's going on around. We've been lost. Lord, thank you that today you're saying, look up. Look up. The, the light is shining through the clouds. Look up, I'm coming, I'm near. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you want to flood us with hope today in Jesus' name. But also, Lord, provoking us, our response. Lord, release into us afresh that deep love of God, the truth of the love of God. May love truly flow in our words and our actions. Lord, fill our minds. Give us a desire to see and understand, to be awake in these days. Help us, Lord, if we've become sleepy. Help us to wake up, Lord, because you want us to see, you want us to understand.